Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. This is Brian Oaks, and we have John Torres on the phone with us today. He's from NCBA Clusa, and we're talking about the impact of cooperatives. Co-op Impact Conference is going on right now in Virginia. National Cooperative Business Association is having this impact conference right now. So let's talk about what NCB is doing. Our mission is to advance to protect and to promote the cooperative business model. Uh, and so that's the, the, the basics of our, our mission, and that gets expressed in a number of different ways. But uh, you know, in, in a core, in a nutshell itself, we are here to, to make sure that we create an environment that uh, a legislative environment, a policy environment, uh, and a public environment where cooperatives are seen as uh, the best solution to some of today's larger problems and larger issues, challenges. So you said that uh, you're there to help people to grow and develop. Um, Are you talking about everybody? Are you talking about the one percenters, those that already have a lot of money? Or are you talking about any specific gender or race? Or what do you mean people? Yeah, no, we're talking about about everyone. Absolutely everyone. Everyone should have the opportunity there to, to have a say in their future. And through the cooperative business model, they have that ability. They have that uh, that purpose and that drive to to be able to give that to, to be able to provide that space for themselves, where uh, they own the products they use, the say in uh, how that organization is run, and uh, and the values that are adhered to by those different businesses. And so that goes through every walk every walk of life. Every demographic, uh, cooperatives are one of those things that can be implemented in pretty much any case. And so uh, it's, it's a model and a, an environment that's open to everyone, and uh, it's there to benefit those, those folks that use it and to benefit the communities and families. And, uh, and so I think it's, it's actually the, uh, the way of the future here. Well, let me get a plug in for everybody out there. When I, when I talked about what people you're talking about, for me in – Washington too often uh, you get politicians that say we're for the people mm-hmm. and I used to you know looking at what they vote for going what people are you for <laughs> and too right. often the politics the tax bill and everything is for those that I already have so please go vote that's <laughs> this, right this next election in November is perhaps more important than a presidential election, and most people sleep this out. I used to, but at the state level and at the regional level, the county level, the city level, that's where a lot of things happen. Okay, and we talked about mm-hmm. that last week with the different cities that are creating environments that create wealth, like Richmond, Madison, yeah. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, had Stacy Sutton on last week, John. If you didn't yeah. hear it when 
go on everything.coop and and listen to she was wonderful doing research on which cities are really creating environments that you just talked about where people can create their own wealth and social and financial wealth and like you said have a say uh, in what they do and how they do it and if there's profit what they do with that profit that's right yeah yeah and and also you know it's it's important to get out there and vote uh, for a whole number of reasons but also to look at the platforms that the that these folks are on and and really dive in to see uh, are they are they friendly to cooperatives do they have a mindset that is community oriented you know we work a lot here uh, at the at NCBA Clusa we work a lot here with uh, with folks on the hill, with policymakers and legislators, uh, in order to create that environment. And the only way we're able to work with people who are like-minded like that is if they're elected into office. And so we want to make sure that the folks that are listening to your show, your listeners there, uh, if they have if they have the same feelings that we do about the importance of ownership and the importance of the future of work, uh, that they go that they look at the candidates that are there and they do make that effort and go out and vote. So. Yeah, excellent plug there, Vernon. That's great. Got to vote, got to vote, got to vote, got to vote. That's right. And co-ops are democratically controlled, one member, one vote. That's right. It's interesting to me that uh, in a co-op, you really learn how to participate and vote, more so than we teach. I was taught, at least. I wasn't taught Mm -hmm. how you get out and really participate in decision-making and in our community and get out and vote and get people to go vote. So... Just real quickly, there are four basic types of co-ops. There's a uh, co-op. It depends on who owns and controls the business. If it's owned and controlled by the employees, it's called a worker cooperative. If it's owned and controlled by the people that uses the products and services, it's a consumer cooperative, and that's credit unions, housing co-ops. And if it's you get a, a co-op, uh, a lot of farmers and artists are beginning to use this type is when folks get together to purchase they mm-hmm. they buy more they buy in volume and they can get a lower price and more often a better quality because they get experience and get people experience in buying things so purchasing co-ops and then you have marketing co-ops marketing co-ops some people call them producer co-ops they come together and farmers they put in their products their milk or whatever cranberries and the marketing co-ops processes those um, products and then they sell them and take them to different markets that the farmer couldn't take them to. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple artists, a uh, group of artists on the show that they'll, they'll come together and create a, a warehouse where they can create things or if they're musicians, they can practice. And then they have a storefront where they can sell their things. So different people are beginning to use co-ops and it can fit in it to me, any business you can have. Food co-ops is one example. It could be a consumer co-op or an employee co-op or some hybrid of both. But mm-hmm. any business you can have could be a co-op, is my sense. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. And actually, we're seeing – now we're seeing a lot of folks who are uh, who have family-run businesses and family-owned businesses that, they, that they've had in the family for years. Uh, they're looking to uh, retire. They're looking to, uh, to pass that business along, and they're turning to – uh, employees, the workers that have worked in that organization, in that company for 25, 30, 40 years, uh, give them the opportunity then to actually own the business. Uh, and that helps them out as they're trying to maintain the values of that business and trying to keep um, keep the business local uh, rather than selling to a larger uh, to a larger organization. 
and it also benefits uh, those individual employees that are then able to uh, to own that. So cooperatives, again, like just like you said, Vern, cooperatives can be used in so many different ways to stabilize the economy, to stabilize local communities. And so, again, it's a great model, and uh, more people are hearing about it, more people are learning about it, and uh, I think we are we are starting to see a to see an uptick here in the use of cooperatives. So the U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives, of yeah, worker cooperatives, said that I can't remember the number. It was either forty or sixty percent of the new worker cooperatives are people of color, brown and black folk. Mm. Wow! It was some large number. Can't remember the exact number, but it's like more people of color, like in these cities, are beginning to use co-ops. Uh, oh, I love this quote. John, uh, Dame Pauline Green said, co-ops help people to come out of poverty with dignity. That's right. Because a lot of education knowledge. Yeah, they provide that access, uh, an opportunity for for folks who may who may not have that available to them, and uh, and so co-ops are are, are really a a strong um, a strong uh, a, str- a strong model, a strong way to to really lift folks out of out of poverty and to uh, to get them on a on a track, and it's done all on their own. It's something that they can do for themselves uh, with their surrounding community. And so, uh, again, it's a, it's a great model. John, uh, this model helps so many different people, and I've been able to crisscross across the country and talk to fake folks, whether they are farmers or artists or engineers, anything that that people really like this co-op model. And just a a, a commercial time here that tomorrow, Ron Hans and his group is having a conference up in Baltimore. It's called a role of cooperatives in reshaping communities. Mm. Okay. It's a, it's going to be at the living well at 235 Holiday Street from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock tomorrow in Baltimore, bringing together um, three or four people on the panel. And uh, I'll be moderating that panel, and I'm looking forward to it, of of somebody from Philly and Chicago just coming in and talking about, again, what cities are doing, what individuals can do to really uh, reshape communities where the people in the communities are the ones that's benefiting when something, and I thought about this with Flint. If, if the people in Flint could have started their own uh, plumbing companies and co-ops and then Uh then they solve their problems and they also make the money of solving the problem, (laughs) okay, Uh Uh, which is great. We're going to take our first break and we got to come back. (laughs) I knew (laughs) we could, we are so much we could talk about, but when we come back, I really want to talk about the um, impact, the co-op impact conference that you yeah. have coming up. But yeah, we'll be great. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOS, 95.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and we have John Torres on the phone with us today. He's from NCBA Clusa. But, you know, this program is sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, and NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. And we were just talking about communities 
And that's what NCB is doing. So let's talk about this impact. Ah, uh, yes. Impact. The impact conference. Oh, yeah, this this is a uh, this is the second year we're doing the impact conference, and the purpose of this conference is to really galvanize the information, uh, the data, the social impact that cooperatives are having in communities around the country, uh, and uh, and also to get a glimpse of uh, what's going on with cooperative work around the world. And so this conference takes place uh, here, uh, actually just across the river uh, in Arlington. Virginia, they're at the Sheraton Pentagon City. As you mentioned earlier, it's October 3 through 5. And there are a number of tracks. There's a track for purchasing cooperatives. There's a track for professionals, which are accountants and, uh, and attorneys. There are two impact tracks, both uh, with information uh, stemming from uh, worker cooperatives to uh, building participation. And uh, these are all geared toward really showing the impact uh, that cooperatives have. What is the impact of cooperatives in the U.S. economy? Well, I tell you, a lot of folks don't know this, but uh, and, and your listeners may because they're, uh, they're very well-educated and, and plugged in a group of folks. But cooperatives have more than $800 billion in assets, and they employ $10 million uh, employee owners. There are 3 million more individuals that are members. And so uh, cooperatives have a long history of solving local and, and regional economic issues. And by solving those issues, that is where the impact is. Cooperatives have more than 120 million members currently. And, you know, a lot of those members do come from the credit union space. And uh, so they're impacting the communities in a great, great many different ways. That first week I was telling you about first month that we had the program five years ago, October, you know, this gentleman was on, his name is Papa Sin from Senegal because mm-hmm. he works for NCBA Clusa. Yes. Uh, uh, I know Pop very well. Yeah. He said that co-ops uh, solve community problems. If a community has no problems, there's no need for a co-op. <laughs> and I remember that because it was just, he was so straight. Matter of fact, uh-huh. I had him on twice that, that first year. Um, and I've threatened to go to Senegal to visit him. I'm going to get that done here. I would love to get that done soon. <laughs> That'll be a great trip. You should really go. It'll be great. So the the huge impact that co-ops have, it, even more so than in the numbers, is how it the impacts a community, uh, social community, and, and how people get to be like this dignity that Dane Pauline Green was talking about, the self-respect, mm-hmm. self-control. And I like the, the first the first value uh, talk about self-responsibility uh, of co-ops, mm. being responsible for self and solving problems yourself, not looking for a handout, maybe a hand up in technical assistance or money perhaps to help get started. But right. when it comes time, the self-help, that was the first self-help, then self-responsibility. Self-help. And I like that a lot to help people and communities solve their problems. Mm-hmm. So that's the impact. Yeah billions of dollars in assets and millions of people in co-op and millions mm-hmm. of dollars. When, when co-ops make money, what do they, what do they do with it? I have a sense of an answer, but I'd like to hear what you say. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And that's you know, one of the, the, the beauties of, uh, of cooperative work. So the co-op exists for the people that use those products and services. And so if the co-op makes money, then that money gets, it's determined by uh, the, by the owners whether they're worker owners or whether they're members, 
it's determined by them what they can what they do with that profit, what they do with that money. And so they give a portion of that back to the members. So the members do see a uh, kind of a patronage uh, back from the profits that are made. They also get to determine where that money is going to be put, whether it's for improvements for the business, whether it is uh, to do certain programs. So there is so much more so much more investment that uh, individuals have uh, when they're when they work with a co-op and they're a part of a co-op. Uh, there's so much more control that they have uh, over where that money is going. So that's a that's a really good that's a really good question. A lot of folks don't know that. Um, but uh, if you are if uh, any of your listeners are members of REI Co-op, uh, at the end of the year they they more than likely receive a dividend check uh, or a patronage check back to them for uh, some of the uh, the monies on the services that they've used, the products that they've purchased. And so that's part of what that is. You own the business, so you do receive uh, some benefit from that in a financial uh, sense. Uh, so, yeah, cooperatives is an amazing business model that really benefits, uh, directly benefits uh, the people that use those products and services. So REI, we've had him on once. I want to get him back on. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you that don't know, it's recreation equipment. They have millions of, and it's a consumer co-op. So the people that buy in REI owns the business. That's right. And they have, they have a superstore here in D.C. that they opened several years ago, a few, not two or three years ago. <laughs> and um, I had the opportunity to go to a store in Seattle that's huge in Seattle, Washington. But it was started by, was it a couple that started it, or the people did not have the climbing gear, and they had to go to the, to the U, uh, UK, I think is where it was, to buy yep. the kind of equipment they needed to climb mountains. That's uh, right. Okay, and so they couldn't do it, so they said, "We'll start our own company." That's Isn't solved, that great? We'll solve that problem. <laughs> that's just that, that's fantastic. I mean, that's what you hear with cooperatives is that they do solve they solve community needs. These folks got together and needed needed some equipment, and they their resources and uh, got more members to be involved in that and then were able to source that equipment themselves. You know, I know we talk, uh, we, we talk about the you know, different retail stores and others and some of the brands that some of the, that, uh, that some of your listeners may know and uh, some of the household brands like Ocean Spray and Welch's and um, Sunkist and other, you know, food products that they use uh, are all sourced uh, through cooperatives. Cabot cheese. Uh, you got cabot got cheese. Got yeah, cabot cheese is another fantastic. And a number of those, those are all, you know, farmer owned. These are uh, farmers that are part of the cooperative. And and so it's it's really impressive to see that, that, that this is a very clear example of how cooperatives are, are solving a community need and uh, really helping to galvanize communities together. You know, back in the 1930s, when there was that the expansion west, 90% of the farm families there did not have access to uh, reliable electricity, where in the urban areas, it was more like 10%. And uh, cooperatives helped flip that statistic around, where electric cooperatives were formed by those communities coming together and saying, you know, we need these power lines, and we need poles, and we need all of these things in order to be able to get electricity there. So we're going to form this cooperative and we're going to push electricity out to our, to our farmlands. And, you know, now it's the complete reverse where 90, over 90% of those rural areas have uh, access uh, to, to reliable electricity. And now they've using that opportunity to see what the next iteration of that, what is the next thing that that cooperative can bring? And I know that there's a number of uh, electric co-ops and uh, all through the support of the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association and looking at the next iteration. Next iteration is broadband technology. 
getting broadband uh, services, high-speed Internet services out uh, to those rural areas. And they're using the network that they've built through that, uh, through the electric cooperatives uh, to be able to provide that service. And so here's a, here's a, a model, uh, a business that was started to solve a particular need. And then over time, it has uh, evolved and changed and continues to meet the needs of those communities that it serves. So I don't know how people cannot get excited about the cooperative and cooperative businesses and how they work. They uh, they truly are uh, one of the uh, one of the great business models. I get excited about it. I've, I've come to love it. Now, just real quickly, I want to go back to REI because yeah. one of the things I've learned that they do, which is phenomenal with their profits, and, and by the way, the, the members, whoever, the owners of it, they decide what to do with the profits. So they do give dividends out, patronage mm-hmm. out every year. But get, finish right. that story and get, okay. we'll get back to the co-op impact. We'll be right back. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WO, and 95.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. We're talking about co-ops and the benefits of co-op, and there is a co-op impact conference coming up on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of October. And October is co-op month, and October the 7th is when I was born so I'll be able to be at the festival on the mall on my birthday and celebrate my birthday and this the uh, and and the festival, <laughs> the co-op festival on the mall. John Torres is our Pretty guest. Birthday. Yes, that's great. <laughs> that is great. During the last section, I was looking at um, REI's uh, webpage. It's rei.coop, and mm-hmm. it reminded me I want to walk the Appalachia Trail, at least portion of it. That that's something I've just wanted to camp out and do, and I've I've gone to their store, and you know they have classes on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. Which I've been threatening to join. I almost <laughs> got there. I'm gonna go down and join and start taking some of these classes to to be outdoors. And also, I was excited about Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving, and people right. go, go crazy. They come out at three, four o'clock in the morning, wait in lines to get that TV or that toy or whatever is major discount watch whatever it is and you said that rei decided to close their doors on the day when everybody else is shopping they did they did and i'm telling you the only way you can do that if you are member owned if you're a member owned that is how that works yeah they had the opportunity then to to really uh you know make a values-based question it wasn't profit driven it was uh values-based and so they said you know spend time outdoors with your family Really uh, pay attention and do the important things in life, and um, you know what? What a great testament to to the way cooperatives work, and uh, and how important it is to uh, to really have that ownership where you get to decide uh, and be a part of that decision of of what uh, of what kind of values your your business is going to have. So I did just want to wanted to throw that out there. That's that's really uh, one of the hallmarks of, of cooperative businesses is that uh, that user and member control. And that's a that's a big deal. And we're going to be talking about that at the impact conference. We're going to be talking about the use of uh, of big data. There's a lot of organizations and uh, and companies out there that are gleaning data from from individuals and gleaning uh, your information to uh, to find out uh, 
whether, you know, your, your purchasing habits and things that you like and so on. And cooperatives are seen as a way to be able to put the control uh, of that data back into the hands of the individuals. And so that's uh, uh, one of the keynote panels that we're going to have on Thursday over, over lunch. Uh, that's going to be very interesting. I'm really looking forward to uh, let me, let me, to, uh, to hearing that. Let me make sure I understand this because you piqued my curiosity. So <laughs> there, there are companies out there that know my buying habits. They know that's right. the foods that I buy, the clothes that I buy. They know I won't buy a lot, but they know what I do buy. <laughs> okay. Sure, yeah. And in doing that, then they can what try to put advertisements together to try to pique my curiosity or get me to spend exactly. my money? Is that what? Yeah. So they use that. Uh, so that's for marketing purposes. They're able to use that information there. And then you also have, you know, farmers and uh, large, and, and uh, folks who are into, in agriculture that have a lot of information that are generated by their farms. Uh, and where does that information go? Who, you know, do people purchase that information? And if it's purchased, how is it used? And so these cooperative members are looking at that and saying, you know, how can I own my own data? How do we how are we able to to better use that data to benefit the cooperative itself and become owners and uh, determine who's using that information and how it's being stored and how it's being shared? All right. So you talked about the four tracks. What mm -hmm. are some of the other kinds of things that are going on in those tracks? Just take sure. one of them. No. <laughs> There's a number. So the the purchasing group uh, will be will be uh, doing a lot of uh, best practices and reverse best practices. Uh, they're going to be talking about some benchmarking that they'd like to do in order to see uh, the progress of uh, purchasing cooperatives inside that sector. They're going to actually they're going to unpack, and this is something very interesting. And folks, if you have an opportunity to come out and be part of this purchasing track, uh, you will find it's interesting. Earlier this year, True Value was a purchasing cooperative. Their, their members decided to sell the business to a, a corporate and going to be unpacking that True Value Hardware case study uh, during the purchasing track uh, on Wednesday. And that's going to be fascinating. And so uh, really getting into the nitty-gritty of, you know, how, how did this happen? Where, where did this emerge from? And what are the things that can be learned out of that? So Ace Hardware is another purchasing co-op. A lot of really inf interesting information coming out of the uh, coming out of the purchasing track. Over in the professionals, you're, uh, with the uh, accountants and attorneys, of course, they're going to be looking at uh, some new laws that are coming out to make sure that they they are all aware of it with the uh, co-op tax developments, co-op finance, and so they're going to be looking at uh, at those issues. And uh, those most of the, uh, those conversations uh, are going to be taking place on both Wednesday and Thursday there at the, at the impact conference, the new tax law and, and your co-op, how does that affect your co-op? How does that, how does that, uh, what kind of opportunities are there? What kind of challenges does that, does that present? Uh, and so uh, that's going to be part of the professional track there. And then we have impact one and impact two, and this, and these two kind of go across the, across the board of cooperatives. And there's uh, things uh, such as redefining financial access. What does that mean to have that financial access, and where do you, where do we get it, and what are the new roles that are emerging uh, in that? Uh, we also have the building community uh, through measurable impact, which uh, is looking at uh, different ways that uh, communities can be built. You mentioned Flint earlier, and using that, you know, those kinds of models, and saying what could cooperatives do to to kind of create that impact there. Workers to owners—that's a, a 
very interesting track. I think that that's going to be very popular, uh, and that's going to be uh, in the afternoon on Thursday. And uh, the worker to owners converting to an inclusive shared ownership. We mentioned this a little earlier about the businesses that are that would go from uh, a family-run or family-owned business or another kind of conversion to worker ownership. And they're going to be unpacking uh, what that means and what that looks like, you know, the history of that and where, where that's going to be going. I understand that baby boomers, uh, people like myself, that mm-hmm. own companies are looking to retire, and, and too often they don't have their their kids don't want the business or nobody in their family, yeah. and then they can't sell it. Sometimes they just fold up and they just go away. That's and, right. And, and they have an opportunity, both the owner and the employees, to keep the business in that community by the the employees buying it as a co-op. That's right. And so the statistic is something like 60% of small businesses are owned by baby boomers. And so they're coming of age now where they're ready to, you know, to, to retire and to, to, to move on to the next phase uh, of the business and of their life. And if you have 60% of the small businesses that are going to be in flux in, in that way and folks that are looking, this is definitely a time that uh, cooperatives can really uh, impact that community and keep those, keep those jobs uh, local and uh, keep that community stable. So I guess so, the, the question that that I would have is what keeps those employees from buying it? They just don't know about co-ops. That's because one of the best kept secrets, or they can't get the <laughs> financing, or they don't mm-hmm. want to take the risk, or what? What yeah. would keep them from letting it go under? I yeah. I think I think all the things you said are definitely uh, probably on folks' minds and, and prevent and pose some challenges. But I also think it's uh, it is about uh, not knowing the benefits of the model. Uh, you know the awareness factor of this is something that that can be done. This is important for these business owners to realize that there is this option. And once they realize that this this is not that this is a viable option for them, a lot of these uh, owners of these small businesses think that it's a fantastic idea and are looking to get more information about it. It seemed like John, this is the stuff that you that we talked about that that panel you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and can small business administration? Can we get to them so that they could let all of these small businesses know about this option? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Small Business Administration uh, has been working with cooperatives forever, and I think that because of the certain regulations, it kept some cooperatives from being eligible for certain kinds of loans. But uh, this summer, there was a bill put, uh, put forth by Senator Gillibrand's office, uh, and she had a number of co-sponsors. Uh, with her, uh, that was the Main Street Employee Ownership Act, and uh, that is an act that actually opened up and uh, loosened up the regulations there, so that more cooperatives and uh, other employee-owned businesses uh, have access to uh, more of the financing, more of the loans that are that are coming out of the SBA. And so that in itself, when we have legislators who are aware of cooperatives and know the value, then this is the kind of uh, legislation that we see coming out of, of, uh, of our federal government. And so, and, and, and this is the work that NCBA helps these and advocates yes. help them to understand, I take it. Absolutely. We've worked with, <laughs> uh, with our partners and uh, we, we worked for, for a long time to, uh, to make sure that the, the right language was, was put inside that bill that was, uh, that creates that that space for cooperatives to uh, to thrive, and uh, we're very proud of the efforts of our efforts, and we're proud of our partners. 
that this was able to get passed in August. And so we're we're looking forward to uh, to hearing these these success stories that come out of folks that are eligible now for these for these financing options. Okay, you were talking about the impact, and I, I got you sideways. What are other kinds of things that you're having there in, in capital impact on the third, fifth, and yeah, third, fourth, I, and just, fifth of October? And there's so many things. I mean, if you're if you're cooperative at heart, this is the place that you need to be next week. And so I encourage everyone to uh, to look into that and get out there. You can go to impactconference.coop. Uh, and read all about the Impact Conference and sign up and register and uh, and get out and participate. Uh, this is the only conference uh, that does this cross-sector representation of uh, the cooperative movement and uh, the impact that it's having across all the different sectors. And so uh, looking, at, looking at the schedule we also have on Friday, we'll be talking about uh, economic participation and self-reliance through cooperatives around the world, and some panel discussions there on some of the development work that's happening through the lens of cooperatives uh, in different countries, and that's on Friday morning. And uh, there are a, a whole host of, uh, of, of folks that are going to be there to talk to talk through this. Uh, some uh, some folks from the United States Agency for International Development. Uh, some folks from USDA and others will be there as well. So uh, really get to the heart of uh, cooperative development around the world. Uh, it's a packed conference. It is uh, two and a half days of, of co-op impact, uh, and it's all kicked off there at the beginning with the state of the cooperative economy. We'll be talking about in actual numbers. Uh, the impact that cooperatives had. We're going to be releasing a new report that talks about the uh, the work that's been done leading up to the, the cooperative or the business census that's going to be coming out in, two, in uh, 2020. That'll really give a better picture into uh, how many businesses out there are cooperatives. There's been some work that's been done that'll be presented uh, here at the at the conference that says uh, there are uh, 64,000 establishments that are cooperatives. Uh, and that is a, uh, a huge uptick from uh, some research that was done about uh, five years, five six years ago. Okay. And so, yeah, we see this. We see this picking up speed, and we see this picking up momentum. Everyone needs to come out to the Co-op Impact Conference. That is the one-stop shop where you can get all of that information on the impact cooperatives are having on the country. We're going to take our final break here, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about impact. And we're going to go to the festival and the mall, which I'm looking forward to too. We'll be right back. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOF, 95.9 FM. Information is power. Um, information is potential power. It's bottled up power. You don't get the power until you put it into action. The National Co-op Bank is sponsoring this program to give you the power, give you the information that you need to know about cooperatives. Going to the Co-op Impact is another way of getting that information in two and a half days, the first week of October, the third, fourth, and the fifth, and then coming down to the mall for a festival on the mall on, on Saturday and Sunday, the sixth and the seventh. Get that information, put the information to use by either starting a co-op to solve some community problem that could just be don't have enough jobs. 
or you dumping trash in the Anacostia River and you want to clean it up. It could be a whole, whole kinds of different things that's going on. You could start a co-op. And, John, there's a co-op, a D.C. co-op stakeholders group that have been coming together for about the last year and a half. And mm-hmm. we're looking at creating a cooperative develop, a D.C. cooperative development center. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. You know, there are 11 of those centers around the country and, uh, you know, they are vital uh, to the cooperative development and getting those uh, starting starter cooperatives up off the ground and running and stabilized. And having one here in D.C. would do uh, worlds of good for all of the uh, the different issues we have here. So I'm looking forward to the work that's being done there. I want to give a shout out to Councilwoman Anita Bonds, who has created legislation to have a task force to look at the limited equity housing co-ops. We have a lot of them in D.C., and they they have problems. So she's wanting to find out what are those problems or challenges of these housing co-ops, because that's a great way of keeping affordable housing in the district. And if you've been around D.C. for any period of time, even the last 10 years, but I've been here for 32, housing that used to be $500 now is like mm-hmm. $2,000, $1,500 to $2,000 is what it costs for, even in southeast D.C. It's going high, costs are going up. But this limited equity co-op is one way of keeping housing costs down, but got to figure out how to solve some of the problems that you're having. So she's put this task force together, and we had our first meeting. I'm, I'm on it representing property managers and looking mm-hmm. at how we can solve it. So Anita Bonds, I don't know where she got it from. I may try to get her on the program, where she got excited about limited equity co-ops. So I really want to talk about the um, festival and the mall. What are the other kinds of things that you're having there? Uh, the uh, Credit Union National Association will be there, and uh, they will have some activities that are done that, that are going to be there talking about financial management and uh, the community that they serve uh, as credit unions. And we're also going to have Organic Valley, who is celebrating their 30th anniversary this year, and they're going to be there uh, showing folks uh, some of the different uh, products that they have and the work that that's done on their farms, their own by thousands of farmers, uh, and uh, you'll be able to talk with them and find out their impact. Um, yeah. How many, di- because we only have another minute here, how many different okay. booths will you have up? So we're going to have 35 booths. We have 39 partners, and this is coming kind of again from uh, coffee cooperatives, and uh, Divine Chocolate will be there with, with the cocoa cooperatives that they have and they work with uh, out in Africa. And also, we'll, there will be uh, Flooring America and Lighting One and Carpet One and uh, a Blue Hawk, which does HVAC at the HVAC Purchasing Cooperative. There are so many different things for folks to really come and enjoy and participate in. Uh, there will be live music throughout the day as well uh, and uh, a lot of activities. We are on the mall from 11 o'clock Saturday morning to uh, 6 p.m. on both Saturday and Sunday. And uh, one more programming note on Saturday at the noon hour, we will be reading the Co-op Month Proclamation, where we establish October as Co-op Month. And so that'll be that'll be uh, read there. And so we invite everyone to, that's in the listening audience to come out, be a part of this fun, family-free event, uh, and enjoy the enjoy the outdoors and enjoy all of your brands that are cooperatives. Got to go, John. Thank you so very much. And I'll be out there also taping some of you. Have a great, great weekend. We'll see you on the mall or at the Impact Conference, and we'll see you next Thursday.
Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOM, and 95.9 FM.